As these words and their vast sweep speed out into our land, it is inevitable that they enter unnumbered homes in which the question has been asked, either in thought or in words, can we truly give thanks this year? Families that have lost their homes, their life savings, their financial reserve, individuals who have sacrificed their happiness, their health, their hope for the future, all may be tempted to view the day of our national gratitude with the spirit of protest. Yet in the face of the hardship and failure that may surround many of us, I firmly believe that there are few who, if they would but count their blessings, would not find room and reason to join in our thanksgiving gratitude and to pray the prayer which I would put into your hearts and on your lips today. Our God, we thank Thee. Walter A. Meyer Hello everyone, you are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi, and we're going to have a very magic Thanksgiving. Zelwyn, how are you? I'm doing great, Willie. It's a nice, crisp day up here in North Dakota, which always warms my heart. You know, I I enjoy this nice, cooler weather. But I kind of have a feeling like my weather posting is going to be of less interest today as compared to yours. So why don't you go ahead and let us know your news, your your big change, and also uh, your your new weather posting. Right. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a very special gratuitous weather posting. Although when Zellin, when you say big change or even big transition, it's such a loaded phrase these days. <laughs> but uh, right now, it, where I currently am, it is 57 degrees. What I would consider where I, I just came from rather warm. But here's something interesting. There are a lot of trees and the leaves are falling because I am recording from Arkansas. So Word Fitly Studios Southern Division has relocated to Arkansas. So from Zion Lutheran Church of Villa, Arkansas, I am the new pastor here. I have taken a call, and so now I am in the South. Our deliberate takeover of the Mid-South District is well underway, uh, and so we're going to just see how that how that continues to go. So we are, you know, we're out here. Um, in the country a bit, but we're in the Little Rock area. And so you know what that means, Zelwyn, that if you're visiting Little Rock and you want to come to church and uh, hear the word, you got to come out here. It's the only place to be. We've got, you know, because here's why. You're out in the country. They say, hey, Willie, why would you drive all the way out into the country if I'm visiting Little Rock? I'll tell you. Because you're going to wake up Sunday morning. You're going to be excited. You're going to hear the word. You're going to receive the sacrament. And you're going to have that drive, that very brief drive, admittedly, 20 minutes or so, out through the country, seeing God's wonderful creation. You get that natural revelation, if you will, before you get the special revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ, found in the Scriptures. So that's what you're going to want to do. It gives you, it's a perfect preparation for worship to drive out here. Would you say then that they have to come a little past Little Rock or or what? <laughs> Literally a little past Little Rock. Do we have to pay rights to use that phrase? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're just probably going to be referencing every country song we can think of when it comes to this. So Right, especially that one where Colin Ray is a drunk and he has to move to Little Rock to sell VCRs. <laughs> Ironically, what you'll also be doing, selling <laughs> right. VCRs. I'm always a few steps behind the times. <laughs> But yeah, so that that is where we are. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a gap in episodes there, uh, just due to the move. But I am here. The microphone, all the equipment has made it 
Yeah, so it's going to be a little new and a little bit uh, different, but we're down here uh, preaching the good word uh, here in the South now, in the Southland. So revival is imminent, Zelwyn. It's true. I'm just waiting for you and David to finally just completely take over the the Mid-South. I mean, it's it's bound to happen at this rate. Right. But I don't know what to compare it to, you know, because I don't want to use a Stonewall Jackson reference because I don't want to get accidentally shot by my own men. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't want to describe this effort as Sherman's March to the Sea either, although it may be apropos. <laughs> Uh, good times. But, but it is good, good to be here, and uh, at least uh, we'll at least we'll get some variant weather posting. Now. It's true. Now, whenever we have uh, Adam on, Adam on, we won't yeah. have the exact same weather. <laughs> Although I don't know, do you do you have actual winters down where you are? Or are you too far south for that now? They tell me that there is winter. It's typically mild. Although I think last winter was a fluke. Uh, they said they had nearly two feet of snow. And hmm. then, but like us, it's like, that's cool. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm hoping that, 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 uh, that was just a fluke and their mild winters, uh, continue, but sure. we'll find out. I mean, it is one of these places though, where there is no infrastructure for snow removal. So right. a little bit of snow will shut things down. <laughs> you know, we always, we always kind of joke around up, up in this part of the world about how, you know, down there you don't have anything to take care of snow, but then again, you'd need it, what, like once every five, ten years? Right, exactly. Yeah, so unless some politician's cousin is in the snowplow business, I doubt we'll be uh, <laughs> we'll be seeing those used too too often. And so, yeah, so that's the big news. And the funny thing is, it's the Thanksgiving episode, so everybody will be busy uh, cooking and stuffing to uh, listen to this one. So they'll, they'll just be confused. They'll think uh, Illinois is unseasonably warm for the next few episodes. <laughs> Or they'll pick it up eventually and then realize what has happened. Right. But good to hear that, you know, things are, are normal up in uh, steady North Dakota, and you'll be into the full grip of old man winter here very, very soon. It's true. I mean, we've had skiffs of snow already, but they're like these early snows usually do. It's already disappeared, and I don't think we're bound to have any in the near, near future, but it wouldn't surprise me if we did. So, right. You got all your uh, Thanksgiving plans squared away? Yeah, we have uh, two divine services on Thanksgiving Day, as as you should. And then uh, I will just have a, a little Thanksgiving at home because we just had a, a get-together with the family recently, so they're not going to come out for Thanksgiving. Do, do, it'll, Sc- it'll do Scandinavians eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Is is the Pope Catholic? I mean, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. But. So you're saying you don't? <laughs> no, it's yeah. We we have uh, turkey, ham. You know the usual kinds of of Thanksgiving dishes. Well, I'm glad well. to hear you finally assimilated. It's true. It's true. Although uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the pies. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. So. Well, pumpkin pie, apple. Are you a mincemeat guy, or is that more Christmas? That might be more Christmas, but I'm a pecan guy. I love pecan pie. So the only correct answer. <laughs> so. Well, all right. Well, Zellin, we we should probably get on uh, to the subject here. Um, you said you called me all excited. You said we're going to Habakkuk Post for Thanksgiving. It's a good. It, it's a good book. It's a good one. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll have a revolution in uh, Thanksgiving services now. Uh, so, Zelman, why why pick Habakkuk for a Thanksgiving text? Why why now? Well, the the main 
focus that we're going to have in the book of Habakkuk is the very end of the book. And I think this is actually a wonderful Thanksgiving text, especially in a very difficult year or in a very difficult time. And we're going to get to that in particular. But Habakkuk is a prophet who can give thanks to God and, you know, call on God and and praise him, even in the midst of very difficult times. And that's why I think Habakkuk is such a appropriate Thanksgiving text, especially, say, in the current year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what do you... What do you what do you think about the the book, Willie? What do you want to add about it before we really dig into the text? No, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head here. And uh, remember, the, the scriptures are a living text, not living like the, like some people think the Constitution is, but but it's living <laughs> and active. Okay, and so it's still going to speak to us. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. The people of God will suffer under certain things, and the question is, how do we understand that? How do we reckon? you know, in the midst of these issues that people are dealing with. You know, in the case of Habakkuk, in the in the case of even days of Thanksgiving, when we are talking about how to be thankful in the midst of suffering, we're going to talk about things like how to be thankful, but also what we do, what we do in response to that. And, and the crying out to God, what does that look like? And it's a very important lesson that we need to take away because while what is coming to pass is part of the will of God in his overarching providence. A lot of this is contrary to the will of God. So that means a few things that when we're, when we pray thy will be done, for example, it doesn't mean that we cannot pray for specific things to be taken away or in the case of the imprecatory Psalms for specific judgments to befall the people. (laughs) And so you see this in the prophets and you see this in Habakkuk. This is what God's man bringing God's word or calling out to God really looks like. And it's similar to, um, you know, even the first Thanksgiving with the pilgrims and the Indians, you know, what is that like? Yes, it's a Thanksgiving for this harvest after what a very difficult time, but we know that they were also able to see the hand of God in the midst of the hard times too, which by the way, that was the first Thanksgiving for the record. <laughs> no other claimants is that what you're saying here or yeah I don't, ones? I, I don't go much for that i don't know i think i think the cool thing that we liturgical types are supposed to do is claim it for the catholics in florida or something i don't know um, yeah but the catholics in florida also massacred protestants so yeah so that. what do you want to do you know <laughs> we're, we're not going to endorse that until we get to like our history of the baptist church episode or something <laughs> so Anyway, but yeah, so, you know, understanding that what we see happening to the people of God uh, in the Old Testament, just like what we see happening to the people of God in the New Testament, the one Israel of God, um, really gives us a picture of how to respond to these things. And, And not only willfully suffering where we must, but also a kind of crying out in the midst of it. Well, maybe we should dig into the book a little bit then and uh, get kind of a, a better overview of it so Absolutely. that we can understand the, the end of the book in, in its full clarity. So Habakkuk begins with a cry to the Lord. And this is again in chapter one. You know, he says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Yep. So the, the primary problem that Habakkuk is facing 
is the, the coming judgment of God, specifically the coming judgment of Babylon upon Judah. Because Habakkuk is living shortly after the period of the Assyrian invasion, and he's looking forward to the coming of the Babylonians. In fact, much of the, the prophecies which he has from the Lord here talks about that, com- that coming, you know, the, the coming invasion and what that's going to mean yeah. for God's people. Well, yeah, right. It, you know, right there in verse one, it's it's an oracle, okay, that Habakkuk the prophet saw. An oracle, at least in the Old Testament sense, tends to be a portent of judgment, right? And <laughs> I think it's kind of funny where today we're so used to you've always got to end on something light, you know, <laughs> you've got to end on something happy, and. Well, yeah, I mean, there's hope even in the midst of Habakkuk that you actually find specific messages of judgment given by God to the people. Well, I would just I would like to point out if we're supposed to end on something happy, Isaiah fails miserably in the the very end of that book. So maybe maybe it's (laughs) not really a a biblical thing that we're trying to to uphold here. You know, ending with the actual judgment of the nations and, and stuff like that. But. No, I mean, your your point is well made. You know, the, the prophets very frequently speak of God's judgment and speak of it in very specific, very concrete terms. And that's what we have Habakkuk here doing. You know, th- that the, this coming of the Chaldeans, as he calls them, the Babylonians, is something that causes distress for him, as well as distress for God's people. You know, what does this mean for us? You know, how can you let this happen, God? Why... You know, why is this all coming in here? Verse three, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? You know, why aren't you doing anything about this? These are all questions that Habakkuk is wrestling with. And I think certainly questions that we are also wrestling with, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we see every manner of wickedness, not only tolerated, not only simply permitted, but now celebrated. Right. And held up as, as virtuous. Um, we are under kind of a, you know, a, a, the reign of the Neo-Chaldeans right now. I like it. <laughs> Perhaps this is a new Babylonian captivity. And the question is going to be, who who will be to blame for allowing this to come to pass? That's perhaps something for another episode. But yeah, this is, what do we see now? We see violence. We see all manner of iniquity, permitted, tolerated, celebrated. Well, what are we seeing here in Habakkuk? Much the same. Or as, he, as he says in verse 4 here, too, you know, the law is paralyzed, justice never goes forth. The, for the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. You know, again, this, like you say, this, this idea of wickedness, which is celebrated, evil, which seems to be winning, all these things happening, and we seem to be surrounded by the hordes, as it were. Right. Uh, who are threatening to overwhelm us. And Habakkuk wants to know, well, how, how, why are you doing this, God? Why are you letting this happen? Right. And the Lord answers. What does he say? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. His first answer is basically, yeah, I'm sending the Chaldeans, and it's going to be pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, they are dreaded and fearsome. Their horses are swifter than swifter than leopards. At kings they scoff. They laugh at every fortress. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their god. 
basically God answers Habakkuk's first complaint with the pro- with the prophecy of judgment. Now, what do we make of that, Willie? Well, to what degree is a nation responsible for what she does? <laughs> Entirely? <I> Entirely. Mean, <laughs> even, but even in the New Testament, Zelwyn? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have the judgment, uh, you know, upon Israel, even in the New Testament. And right. you have the rise and fall of nations often, often happening in judgment throughout history. We've deluded ourselves into thinking that God does not act in history still. Uh, as if he only acted, at, you know, in a few periods in ancient times, and then he quit. Well, you can't say that God would send a tornado. You can't say God would send an earthquake. He totally does in the Bible, <laughs> and so he still does. Yeah, yeah. And if, and and even the argument. Well, but now that Jesus is risen, all are forgiven. Look, Ananias and Sapphira happens after the ascension. Okay, the destruction of Jerusalem happens after the ascension. Uh, the book of Revelation happens after <laughs> right. the ascension. Exactly. So judgment cometh and that right soon. And we need to be aware of that and to be cognizant of that fact. And the great last day is going to be frightening for everyone, but it's much, much worse for those who don't recognize what's about what's coming. Do people not understand that the picture of Jesus and the revelation is kind of angry? He's got a sword. There's like a tattoo on his leg. Like he's he's <laughs> he's mad. He's on a war horse, spitting sword, literal swords out of his mouth. You know stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like what what more do you people want? <laughs> it's it's not all you know Hebrew magic words and blog posts and really tight uh, pearl snap shirts, guys. Uh, the it's 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 not all hipster platitudes. The word of God is clear and there will be judgment. And not only will there be judgment, but there is judgment. And I think right. that that might be kind of what is is frightening for us is, you know, there's suffering because of the present situation all across the world. And so even if we want to say America, or we can, let's see, we can even say Europe at large, uh, you know, the, the white part of the world with all the things that's befalling them. Is that a judgment? Yes. I mean, it I mean, may well I, be. I, I don't know how you can get away with not seeing it as a judgment. Right. Um, if, if only because of all the things that we have had happen in our nation and the things that we have permitted in our nation or permit, you know, allowed to happen. I don't see how we can, you know, look at something like Romans 1 and not see God handing us over to judgment. I mean, yeah. And I, and I think the, the greater evidence isn't just, it's not going to be weather so much. And I don't even think it would be disease so much, supply chain issues so much, although these might all be related. What the real evidence that God is handing over a nation is that their minds are darkened. Mm -hmm. They are being handed over to a debased mind. They are going from people who knew Christ uh, to people who will no longer recognize him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a reversal of what you have. Like it's reverting back to Roman, to the beginning of Romans. Right. You know, right. And, and so that, that to me is, is the ultimate evidence. All that said in the midst of, and we'll get to this in the book a little bit too, but there's always a faithful remnant and God can still and can, and and it, it wants to, to save nations. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, even, even if we're recognizing a judgment that is coming upon us, 
that doesn't change the fact that, you know, Jesus has redeemed his people, you know, that he has called us forth. And, and for that reason, you know, he has, he has set us secure on the heights. You know, we will persevere through these things. And that's part of the message of Habakkuk too. But we do have to recognize this message of judgment first so that we can understand just how sweet the, the end of the book truly is. Absolutely. And with that, we're on our first break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Thanksgiving after this. everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi. We're talking Habakkuk and Thanksgiving. Well, Zelwyn, we had a little too much fun there weather posting. So now I'm going to ask you to um, take us on kind of a whirlwind tour of Habakkuk chapters one and two. Sure. Yeah, we kind of talked about the first complaint and the Lord's answer. Habakkuk in the second half of chapter one complains again to the Lord, basically says, you know, why do you allow this to happen? Why do you remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Again, the issue of, you know, why is this evil overcoming us? And why does it seem like you're not doing anything about it? Again, issues, I think, that are very relevant for the way many are are feeling today. Uh, but then in chapter two, the Lord answers a different way. And he gives us the, the very famous verse cited in Romans, in, fa- in fact, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, uh, the righteous shall live by his faith, which is the Lord's way of saying that, yes, these things are coming. Yes, these things are going to be difficult, but it is by this faith that you will live through it, that you will be delivered from it. So even despite the judgment which is coming upon his people, God is still going to deliver them. And in fact, in the 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 rest of chapter two, he pronounces a judgment, but this time upon Babylon, upon the Chaldeans, those who had oppressed God's people, even if God had stirred them up to do it, they also will suffer a judgment, but a judgment without hope, you know, an actual judgment of being brought down forever, which is what we see happening in history, which is what we see happening in the scriptures. So yes, God's people are going to suffer for a time but it is not forever. And even their oppressors will themselves be judged. And that is something that I think Habakkuk holds on to very dearly. So what do you want to, where do you want, how do you want to unpack that, Willie? I think that's kind of the, the well, very I, whirlwind overview. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, why, why does God, why does God make them suffer at this period in time? Well, because, uh, 
Israel before them with the Assyrians, you know, they had fallen into all kinds of idolatry. They were worshiping all kinds of false gods. And so Assyria carried the northern kingdom away. But Judah, for her part, refused to break with those sins. In fact, they were following the sins of their brothers to the north. And so because of that and because of the abominations in Judah, uh, God sent the Babylonians to chastise his people. You know, this is a judgment because of their great sins and their continual turning away from him. Um, so that's that's the reason why judgment is coming in the first place, right? Yeah. And God brings about this judgment ultimately uh, for two reasons. One, uh, sometimes simply just to judge and to right. be glorified in bringing that about. Well, we forget about that, that God is glorified even when he condemns. Uh, and then the second is, of course, to bring about a repentance and a remembrance. Right, right. Which is the purpose of the Babylonian captivity. Absolutely. To bring, to bring yes. them to repentance. Yeah, it's a it's a very, very strong chastisement. I should say so. Yeah. Um, and so then that's going to be the listener's question. Are we being chastised? We, we've, we've admitted we're being judged. Is it a chastisement or will we be given over to a final judgment? What do you think? Do you think? I, that, well, let's let's hold on. Okay. Let me ask this a little more specifically. <laughs> You're uh, looking for a specific answer. Well, but. no, no. It's 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 this. So we're talking about the nation as a whole, which we have to, right? But at the same time, let's 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 kind of look at a chunk of the nation. What about the churches? Okay, are are churches being given over to judgment too? Um, we're everybody's going to suffer when a judgment or when a judgment comes upon a nation, Christian, right. non Christian, whatever. But what role do the churches play in all of this, do you think? Well, I mean, we could go really big hours here and say that the Lord preserves the nation for the sake of the church. Base. <laughs> and the whole reason why he's delaying the judgment. But the, the when the churches are being unfaithful to their calling, when they are not being faithful to the word, then yes, uh, judgment will begin with the household of God. I mean, that's that's some straight scripture for you there. Uh, God is going to chastise his people first because of you know the, their sins, because of the things that have been happening. And I really do think that we are seeing some of that happen. You know, I could bring in Amos here and talk about a famine of the word as one of those judgments and the things that we are seeing in our nation as well. Um, but yeah, we we as a church have much to repent for. There is much that has happened, unfortunately, that we need to be chastised for. Do you think the church at large has learned lessons from our recent unpleasantness? I hope so. We would hope so. <laughs> I, you know, I think you're going to see churches come out leaner and stronger. Yeah. And I think you're going to see some churches continue to capitulate to this. Right. And the first thing we're thinking of, and we're dancing around this issue, because uh, we also don't want to immediately date the episode, but, you know, there's the issue of churches closing. There's the, there's the, the sin of online communion. There's things like that. But also, there's this broader capitulation to culture. There, there's a, a large segment of the church that is latched onto what can I call it? Twitter ethics. Okay. Or like Reddit tier yeah. discourse. <laughs> and really, they just latch onto every leftist, God denying talking point. Right. Uh, condemn anyone, you know, whiter than uh, than an eggshell, or, or you know, slightly, <laughs> and uh, or anything, you know, anything on that spectrum. 
I was, I'm thinking of a light brown egg here, folks. So, <laughs> Just to be clear. Yeah, light, anything that and lighter. And, and I think that, that that is actually, that's the judgment that comes upon a nation in a way, is handing over the people to carnal and lukewarm guides. Mm-hmm. Now we're keeping, you know, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edward time here, but it is true. And when we see teachers and so on, even among our own peers mm-hmm. that have adopted, now they're going to say the, the same thing about us. They're going to say we've adopted every right wing talking point when we accuse them of adopting every left wing one. But the difference is we're, uh, we're on the right here. We're correct. <laughs> and, but, but, but they, they celebrate everything that the media tells them to celebrate and condemn everything the media tells them to condemn. And but still try to hold on to no, but I'm really an actually a conservative Bible believing Christian. But okay, whatever, buddy. Well, we are seeing people follow those kinds of of teachers. But also, thanks be to God, we are seeing many people wake up to these carnal and lukewarm guides, and and they're saying no, we don't want that. And yeah. some people are seeking out faithful churches and finding them. And unfortunately, other people are having their faith destroyed by these men. Because they see them occupying positions within the church, and they don't believe that there are faithful teachers there. And so they completely shut themselves away. So that, that to me, is one example of judgment, the darkening of the minds of the teachers, which is going to lead uh, the flock astray. Right. Right. And I mean, it, I mean, it's down to everything to, you know, they, they, you know, believing they're morally superior for taking the shot, right? Or uh, believing they're morally superior for... I don't know, encouraging mob rioting and violence, you know, because you, you watch them do this. They'll be like, well, I'm against mob rioting and violence, but they, maybe they got a point. (laughs) Did you ever stop and ask why they're burning down Kinko's? I I don't need to ask that question. I already know the answer. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, even, even something that's much more innocuous to the way that the world insists on, uh, representation and the, what that means for them and, mm-hmm. and, and trying to even, even in advertisements and stuff like that, we see that <laughs> happening in the church too, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, every, every commercial has to have like this super diverse group of friends, right? You know, there's a Kwanzaa celebrating guy in on one end of the couch and an Eskimo with a harpoon on the other, because that's <laughs> every gang on TV is multi-ethnic because that's exactly how it works in the real life. <laughs> You know? <laughs> but, but but we see churches adopting this mentality too. Yeah, I mean borderline adopting quotas. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, we're supposed to trust God to bring in, and then yet we're we're supposed to have a a very specific looking church too. You know. Right. Right. So I mean, we have all of that happening, and so I I think this is all evidence of what you're talking about of the churches undergoing judgment being handed over, um, and I would say even being chastised. You know, yeah. because if we're going to be if if we're going to see God's purposes in this, it is a chastisement in order to purify. Right. Right. And we promise, folks, there is a Thanksgiving message here, <laughs> but we'll get to it. You got to stick around. We're only halfway through. So, <laughs> well, and, and and that's the thing. And it, it is very it's becoming easier for Christians to despair, to become very angry, although there is a place for anger in the midst of this. Right. Uh, apologies to who I don't know. I can't even think of the name of the guy who said there's no such thing as righteous anger. But whatever, I d- it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because he's not right. 
And th- there is a time for righteous anger, but the question is, when is it righteous? When is it not? And when are you just letting it completely consume you? Right. Yeah. Well, you could even say Habakkuk himself is angry. You know, yeah, he's from verse one. From verse one, or from verse two, I should say, he's very <laughs> angry. You know, he's he's angry with what's happening. He's angry with the way things are going, and in a sense, he's also angry towards God. But of course, he's in that biblical kind of anger, which which calls on God to do something about it, which is always always a good thing. Here, have you, know, you ever not, preached? Have you ever preached an angry sermon? Uh, probably. <laughs> Like just generally angry or like God's wrath angry? Like what kind of anger are we talking about? Either here? one. Either one. <laughs> Have you ever preached so hot the snow's melted? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> because as we all know, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not shout, Is does, one not, we need to, does not exist. Does right. not exist. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to get on the radio now, Willie. It's, it's bound to happen. We, we're so. going to have a Holy Ghost explosion. It's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we do have to be very angry about these things. We do need to speak very forthrightly, uh, especially against evil and, you know, calling out to God to do something about this evil. And I think that's that's all very fitting uh, for the book of Habakkuk. But I suppose we should get to talking about Thanksgiving, shouldn't we? Why not? (laughs) Hey, we got a whole other segment coming up. We're just going to talk about Charlie Brown the next 20 minutes. Uh, uh, very, by the way, love that guy. It's it's very wholesome. Very, very wholesome. wholesome. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be removed off the TV for some crazy reason. So once yeah, once peanuts are actually removed, we know it's actually. I would rather them remove peanuts and ban them than redo them and make them awful. Because because I point. I can't I can't live in a world with a like a non-binary Charlie Brown. I don't <laughs> even like that I said that joke. Now I've put it out there, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> And the demons will hear it, and it'll it'll happen now. So it'll happen, and then it's <laughs> I will just hole up in the Arkansas compound. <laughs> um, but all of the point of Habakkuk, you know, even if it sounds very, you know, we're talking about judgment, we're talking about you know being angry, we're talking about all these things. Habakkuk does have the message of Thanksgiving at its heart because yes. it really does move forward into talking about why we can be thankful even in the midst of this terrible situation, even in the midst of judgment. And why is that, Willie? Well, because because the Lord is good. And right. and I don't want to skip all the way to the last one, but you know, he's just simply I will take joy in the God of who the God of my salvation. Right. So he'll he'll go on to say, you know, even though the fig uh, tree shouldn't bloom or the fruit be on the vines or the olives fail or the fields yield no food, so on and so forth, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer and so on. That in the midst of all of this, God will still save me and he will give me what I need. Right. And And, and really, he almost, I mean, he makes it sound pretty clearly like, not just what I need daily, but also my ultimate means of escape. Right. My right. ultimate rescue. Right. And, that, and there's the hope for every Christian. It, it is that God will rescue us from this. And it's not as if he's just going to pluck you out of the world of suffering, although in time that could happen. You could die. But what right. happens if you're here when the Lord comes back? 
you will be here for the create you you will see the judgment i mean the dead in christ will too all the dead will be raised and see the judgment but you will see this world completely undone and made new right and what's more uh we forget this often that christians are made judges in those last days <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's first corinthians right that uh, do not know that we will judge angels yeah and you know and so as low as the world can try to take us now, God will, if we remain humble, that is to say, if we if we retain saving faith, if we believe in Christ for our salvation truly, then we will be raised up. And I mean that literally, as all will be, but also raised up, elevated, told to take the seat, the high the high seat at the table, as it were. Right. Right. Um, but we have to let the Lord do it. But that, but that is reason in itself to be thankful. Yeah, because that promise is coming. And how do we know that promise is coming? Well, Jesus Christ has already conquered death and the devil. Right. And how does Habakkuk know? Well, the, he has a word from the Lord. He has the scriptures up until then. And, but he also, he is, you know, he knows that God has delivered his people time and time again. Well, and this is really the the whole point of the third chapter, too, since we've already kind of come to the end of it. You know, he's talking about seeing the Lord bringing about that judgment. You know, his yeah. brightness like the light uh, before him went pestilence, plague followed at his heels. He stood mm-hmm. and measured the earth. You know, uh, was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? You stripped the sheath from your bow. I mean, on and on. It is God who is bringing forth the judgment. And because it is God who is doing this. We recognize the deliverance in that, you know, that God will judge the nations, that he will bring about justice for his people. And that in itself is something to be thankful for. Well, you know, he, or Habakkuk, you know, in verse 16, for example, he reckons himself before God and what all this means. I hear my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, yet I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon us to come upon people who invade us. I know that bad stuff is to come. And those are actually the words that lead into God, the Lord is my strength. He goes on to talk about the, though the field not produce and so on and so forth. So he understands, he understands that troubles are coming. And yet in the midst of that stands firm in his faith. Are we able to do that? This is why a theology that is built only around glory. Uh, I just said it, didn't I? That's built only around <laughs> glory, or not the glory of God, but kind of a glorious life. A theology that's built only around prosperity and not, frankly, built upon suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about some kind of dolorism here. I'm not saying put hobnails, you know, in your in your shoes, you know, with the points, you know, actually all the way through the sole or something like that. I'm not saying necessarily wear a hair shirt. Necessarily. Necessarily. <laughs> there might be time for some of that. But to be able to to suffer under an oppressive regime, to be able to remain faithful, knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that our salvation cometh. You know, that that's what we must do. And you're not always going to be perfectly happy. But I do believe a Christian with his eye ever upon the cross of Christ and knowing the resurrection can be content, can be supernaturally contented in that. I cannot say you'll be happy when you don't have enough food. I can't say you'll be happy when you you, you leave your job or you're, you're fired from your job for reasons of conscience. But I can say you can be content in knowing 
that Jesus is coming to bring about that final rescue. For Jesus has already washed you clean and made you white as snow. Yeah. Amen. And I mean, and that in itself is what we should focus on, this Christian contentment, this Christian yeah. thankfulness, even in the midst of suffering. Because as Christians, we can see through these things, see the purpose of these things, and actually still give thanks even for the judgment. Because giving, we can give thanks for the judgment knowing that God is purifying his people. You know, we can give thanks for the judgment knowing that God is going to deliver us soon. That this time of suffering which we have, the judgment we're going through right now, is only a short time. But well, we are looking forward to something far greater to come, right? <laughs> and, you know, knowing that this judgment is coming also means that God is putting his enemies under his feet. Yeah. And yeah. we forget that. And the Psalms are very good about celebrating this. But we take those out of the hymnal. Yeah, let's not start down that topic. <laughs> are they all missing? Are all, all of them. All imprecatory are missing? I think there's like maybe one or two that made it in, but all the all the really heavy ones are gone. I know and the official re- reason is we needed more room for hymns or something. Is that a reason, though? <laughs> Gets the noggin jogging. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, if you want if you want the full Psalter, you can buy it separately for a low, low price of whatever, plus shipping and handling. Uh, you're going to get me going here, Willie, and this is going to turn into something else. I'm thankful for public domain. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi. We're talking Habakkuk, and we're talking Thanksgiving and how to be thankful in the midst of difficult times. Well, Zellin, we really breeze through Habakkuk. And you know it's three chapters, folks. You should just sit down and read it. Uh, you can you can get through it pretty quickly um, if you Ten want to. Ten minutes tops. Ten I mean... minutes tops, yeah. And so it's it's a wonderful read. It's a very timely read. And just sit down and check it out. It's uh, it's right in your Bible. If you need help finding it, it's right before Zephaniah. So, <laughs> a minor prophet, yes. So. Uh, yeah, you know, right before Zephaniah, and uh, just after our favorite Nahum. Right, he's our boy. So you'll find him wedged in there. So, but as Zelwyn was saying, uh, we uh, in between breaks. Uh, we really need to talk about the practical applications of this, and we really hinted at that. But every time we talk about suffering and a nation being given over to, over to judgment, there are a lot of things that are, that when we say those words, you are hearing. Right. Okay? 
So we say them and there are certain examples. So we're going to talk a little bit about specifics here. And uh, this is what makes people bristle. And this these are things that lead to even conflicts in congregations and not just conflicts in congregations, but conflicts in families mm-hmm. and, all, and all of these ripples, you know, throughout all of our relationships and really from personal relationships to work all the way up to government and citizen relations. So, so Zelman, what would you like to talk about? Well, I mean, it's just dealing with the, the specific problems of our time. You know, we're dealing with the, the increasing division of our nation, for example, which can, you know, even that division, like you say, playing out in families, you know, how does that affect the way that we think about Thanksgiving? Or if we're talking about even something a little bit more mundane, you know, when you've had a difficult year, generally speaking, you know, how can we give thanks in the middle of that too? You know, if our crops have failed, if we are struggling to buy the things that we need, for example, with the supply chain issues, you know, and all of the things going on with that, or even just dealing with evil showing itself much more openly than in previous decades. You know, yeah. how can we still come to Thanksgiving on, th- you know, today, Thursday, when we actually send this out and give thanks for the things that we have? It seems very difficult to do, doesn't it? Yes, I think for some people, yeah, it could be. You know, and I hope that if the if it really is a supply chain issue, that mm-hmm. is really causing you to despair that it's something at least more than you couldn't get the cranberry sauce you wanted or something like that. Right. But all of these even little stressors and perhaps they could become big stressors depending on how bad these issues get are things that the devil will use to increase stress and to increase conflict. Right. Speaking of supply chain issues, uh, how, how are things up, up your way? How, how um, are things at the trading post? <laughs> surprisingly, I mean, here and there, yeah, we're missing some things especially, you know, in the, in the bigger towns, but I don't know, I guess we haven't felt it nearly as much as I know that some other parts of the country have. Of course, there's not nearly as many people up here, so that, that helps, but I haven't, I haven't felt that particular pinch yet, but I know that it is an issue that is going on in our nation right now. Mm -hmm. What about you? Well, I'm in a new place, but obviously I look at these things. Uh, Frankly, the biggest gaps I see are in play are in like uh, the frozen section. Sure. And it's very interesting. It's the prepared foods, things like that. And that makes you wonder, there's a certain type of consumer that will actually suffer more through these supply chain issues. If you can cook for right now, you'll probably be okay. Right. I mean, frankly, that's what it's looking more and more like. If you can cook at least at this point, now it could get worse. It's a very strange thing why locally produced products should have shortages, but globalized economy, right? Uh, right. It's amazing that we're allegedly having shortages here, but we're also having record exports in certain things. Yeah. And, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe that's a judgment when leaders uh, don't care about their own citizens that they're supposed to be stewards of. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It, maybe exporting everything away from your people is not good. I mean, I granted the log jam of truck or trucks, the log jam of uh, boats, uh, you know, the import ports, the importation areas uh, is is an issue. But isn't the broader issue the fact that we have to import that much stuff anyway? Big, (laughs) big, big home front protectionist hours here. Is that what (laughs) you're saying? Yeah. So I guess the lesson, as always, is localism is good. (laughs) It's it's a strange thing. And 
you know, how artificial it is, I don't know. When we start the secular version of this, maybe I'll talk about that stuff a little bit more. When I can finally get this, we'll just do, you know, four straight episodes on UFOs instead of just the one or two we've got here. But anyway, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very bizarre thing. So you've got that. And then of course you have the news, which is, which is there just to keep you, uh, they're either there to make you angry, to foment rage on the people opposite of you, or there's the other mainstream media that's there to gatekeep that'll let you have just enough truth, but not quite enough. Right. And so you're dealing with those sorts of things. All of that is contributing to, to the division that we see. Oh yeah. Without question. And if, and if nothing else, uh, what we're facing is a constant stream of, like you said, little annoyances in many cases. Yeah. And and those things build up. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And if, if it was one big thing, you know, we could probably deal with it in in a greater in a greater way, but because it is those building up constant little annoyances, little nagging, all these little problems all compounding upon each other, and then the media kind of you know increasing that anxiety over it, I really do think that's uh, the the root of many of our problems. Yeah, that we we find it difficult to be thankful because we're just in this constant state of anxiety. Yeah, and perhaps those little bitty things are th- th- that they get to us are evidence of the greater problem here, right? You know, namely that we are so contented, not in Christ, but contented to just simply escape. So we want convenience so that we can get to our escapist world quicker. Whatever that looks like. Is it is it Netflix? Is it, you know, golf? What is it? You know, it can be anything. You could argue that golf is better for you than Netflix. I mean, objectively true. (laughs) And it's it's just a we are we are just becoming so used to instant gratification things like that this is where thanksgiving is good though this is where we need a day of thanksgiving and i know that there are guys out there that go but thanksgiving isn't a liturgical holiday so we shouldn't celebrate it bro it's a we can go back and listen to the past thanksgiving episodes we always make this point that it's a day <laughs> of thanksgiving unto god we we should if anything we should probably just do that every week right if we can step back and and this is kind of the issue with Thanksgiving too, is it's a family holiday. And of course the devil's going to try to make that miserable because family holidays can be either depending on your dynamic, a very pleasant and relaxing time or the worst four hours of your life. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so he's going to use these things to drive, to drive wedges where there are already divisions anyway. And and so, what, Zoe, what's a Christian to do then? How can we have a happy Thanksgiving? Well, I think I think one of the first things to recognize, and this is also kind of true of Christmas as well, is that yes, family is an important part of Thanksgiving, but it needs to be focused in and around giving thanks to God. It's not just yeah. about the turkey. It's not just about the stuffing, the pies, as wonderful as those things are. It's not just about being with family, as important as that is. It really is giving thanks to God explicitly so for the things that we have received from him. Because when we think in those terms, especially even no matter how small that Thanksgiving may seem to be, when we think in those terms, that will take away much of that anxiety, right? Then we're going to say, God has taken care of me. He's given me this. He's given me this. 
He has done this for me in the past. He continues to do this. And on top of it all, he is my strength. He is my fortress. He will save me. I think when we think in those terms and are explicit about it, then we're going to get, we're going to have that sense of Thanksgiving, which this holiday is meant to to give us, right? Yeah. And then you can go on and enjoy those things. You can enjoy the turkey and the right. pie and the Cause whatever. Because God gave it to you. Because God gave it to you. And if you've got to avoid talking about certain things, just don't talk about them for one day. <laughs> It'll probably be fine. And so Habakkuk, you know, to go back to him, he, he is, that's what he has to do. He has to take a step back and say, this all is bad, but here and now I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to find my strength in him because I know that he's my salvation. The devil wants to destroy families and so does your government. All right. (laughs) And so do many false teachers out there. And to take a holiday like Thanksgiving and to try to make it into one of just simply strife and contention. And I mean, you're going to have vaccinated and unvaccinated Thanksgivings now. Yeah. And and for for shame. And, you know, to each their own, I suppose. But can you at least not see what this is doing to people? And do you think it's a coincidence that they've shuttered you away? And then when that didn't quite work the way they wanted, now they're trying to segregate you based upon your, you know, remember, both classes can still spread and get this disease. But either way, they're going to separate you based (laughs) upon that. And then right around that same time, uh, they want to roll out, you know, uh, alternate reality, full universes and things like that. Folks, they want to make you into digital non-humans. Be a human. Christ died for men. Christ didn't die for digital sprites. Christ didn't die for robots. Christ died for men. Be humans and live in community as humans. As omnivorous humans, specifically on Thanksgiving. So (laughs) enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the things. Enjoy the meal. That's something that humans need. And then enjoy that camaraderie that you may be able to have. And don't allow them out there to to destroy that. I mean, you, you worry about safety. I mean, that's kind of what we're having. That's that's why we have the divisions now. I can't have Thanksgiving with Uncle Joe because he listens to too much Alex Jones and he's on gab too much. And so he doesn't want to get the shot. So I'm not going to ever talk to Uncle Joe again. Well, you better hope he's not a Christian because he's going to be in heaven with you. And it's going to be pretty awkward. (laughs) You know, just these things where we want to. Now, there, of course, this is not all perfect, right? I mean, some family dynamics, I understand. It's not going to be that simple. You're not going to be able to make it that enjoyable. And we've all suffered through a holiday where we didn't want to be. Totally understand right. that. Right. But in the main, stop allowing. If you're going to have divisions, at least let it be your own family skeletons. Don't don't let don't let the the powers that be create divisions within your clan. Yeah. No. I mean, and that's that's a point well taken because when we do get caught up in all of these little anxieties, this constant cycle of fear mongering and you know and trying to make us always worried about something that frankly is never really going to affect us all that much yeah um it it really does lead us to basically go along with wherever direction they're trying to get us to go yeah and And we don't want to do that and i've said the vaccines the people's antennas are already up and some don't like it and some are cheering and that's great but two years ago it wasn't that it was Uncle, you know, now, you know, uh, Uncle whatever. I might have said Uncle Joe earlier. I can't even use that generic one anymore. (laughs) Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred voted for Trump. 
and I'm a freshman in college and I just shaved half my head and decided to change my gender. So I'm not going to be around him ever again. So that's what it was two years ago. So once the, if, if this hysteria passes, and at this point I'm putting a big F on there, putting a big asterisk, uh, if this passes, then it'll be something else. It'll be something else down the road. So don't let it divide your families. Don't let it divide your churches either. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe for those who you know, are always speaking out against Thanksgiving as an observance too, you know, maybe just recognize that it can bring us together. You know, it is something yeah. that yes is of all of our the- quote unquote secular holidays. It's the least. <laughs> it's the right. least. Right. At least we recognize, you know, in thanks, the thanks to Thanksgiving, we're giving Thanksgiving to God, right? They can secularize it as much as they want, but that's never going to take away the the character of the actual holiday in that we're giving thanks to God for the things that he has done See, for us. I'm convinced the the familiar nature of it, and it's really kind of a non-commercial holiday too. That's why they don't push it, because they can't make as much money off of you. Right. They can right. mark up turkeys. Or whatever, but they can't. They can't do too much more to commercialize it, and right. so they want. They want to destroy it. That's why you see Christmas stuff up before Halloween, right? That's why Black Friday gets earlier and earlier every year. I mean, yeah. I know, and you know, they'll say the the early specials on Black Friday because you know you need to consume, you need to buy, you need to do all these things. That's how they try to bring it down. But the actual day itself is something that they can't quite corrupt, right? Which other is than why they, other than maybe football players. Fair. <laughs> Which is why maybe we should hang on to it all that much more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we're saying is it's a very wholesome holiday and try to enjoy it uh, if you can. <laughs> and, and, you know what? And it's going to be an awkward family holiday anyway. So there's always some memory made there. You know, Aunt Flo's uh, cat gets up on the turkey or whatever. Here, I thought you were making a vacation, Christmas vacation reference or something. No, yeah, the cat's not chewing on the Christmas lights or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be for our Christmas episode. And actually, you know what? Christmas vacation is actually a pretty good example of what we're talking about. <laughs> Poor Clark. He's just so frustrated. He just And he just wants to have a good Christmas and just wants to get that bonus. And he can't get any of it. Yeah, He can't get any of it. And we've all got a Cousin Eddie in the woodpile or two. We might be Cousin Eddie is what you're trying to say. Yeah, if you don't have a Cousin Eddie, guess what? You're it. <laughs> Well, Willie, what else do you want to to point out as we come to the end of the episode here? Well, it's like everything. You know, we, we, we do this a lot. You know, uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but for the last 45 minutes, we've been pretty gloomy. Fair. If If you can just understand that Christ wins, that Christ conquers, if you can be so bold as to contend for that wherever you are and to stand firm for him and for your Christian informed conscience wherever you are, that alone is enough to give thanks. You know, if you do lose your station because of your stand, because of standing for the things of God, that will be a hard thing for you to deal with, but you can still give thanks in the midst of that. Right. You know, if if we're pushed to the margins of society, if if in a couple of weeks word fitly spoken is is taken off of all the podcast platforms because of what we said, we could be thankful for that. And that's a badge of honor. And all it means is we'll dust off the old cassette tape duplicators, as we always promise, and we'll be mailing out tapes. It'll be great. It'll be just like Greg Bonson, you know, old old tapes. Old tapes. So it'll be awesome. 
when you are suffering, especially today, if you are suffering for the sake of Christ in a Western country, where does a badge of honor? Because the chickens are coming home to roost and you're feeling what it's like to live as a faithful person in the midst of a nation that is being handed over. And that can be a very scary prospect. And Habakkuk knew what that was like, but the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength and he will give you the swiftness of a deer and he will give you salvation and give your escape. And so for all of the things we've, we mentioned, that reason alone is enough to gather around a big old bird today or when you know, as this airs, whenever you're, you know what, this is a Thanksgiving episode, but it's still, it's still, it still applies any day. It's a good day to get around a giant bird you've roasted <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and to give thanks uh, to the Lord for everything he's done throughout this year. Because you know what, Christian, you know, what's happened this year, you've, been privileged to go to church. You've been privileged to hear the word, to have your sins absolved. You've you've received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins. There is so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of this. The world tried to take that away from you, and they couldn't succeed. The churches still stand. The world is still trying to take that away from you, but I don't think it'll be as easy this time around. I don't think churches are going to be so quick to close their doors and and right. and, and make that happen. So there's there's much to be to be thankful for. Uh, there's also uh, much to be diligent concerning, so that you don't want to close your eyes either, but you want to rest in Christ, to be alert, and uh, to be faithful, and uh, you know be ready for the fight. But on on this day, be ready to celebrate all that the Lord has given you. The fight's coming, so be ready for that another day. <laughs> and maybe just as a way of closing that then, I would say, you know, also give thanks, recognizing that even as we suffer, we are that much closer to our final salvation. You know, with each day that passes, no matter how bad it seems to be, no matter how terrible it is ahead, Christ will return and he will judge the living and the dead. And on that day, those who have oppressed us will be judged and we will have the victory in Christ over them forever. And that is something I think that we must hold on to and give thanks for, especially on Thanksgiving Day. Amen. This has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out at wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi. God love you and God bless. Regardless of how rich or poor, how socially prominent or insignificant, how learned or ignorant, how blessed or underprivileged we may have been, Christ, the Son of God and Son of Man, has repeatedly knocked at the doors of our hearts and homes to offer us heaven's sacred gift, forgiven sins and the blood-sealed assurance of an eternity with Christ. For these blessings, which compensate a thousand thousand times for any setback in dollars and cents, or any dire want of food or clothing, let us join in the thanksgiving doxology and declare, Our God, we thank Thee for Thy saving word, for the churches that have proclaimed the message of the cross, for Thy ministers who have taught Thy sure mercies and the sure plan of salvation. We thank Thee for our Savior. Walter A. Meyer <laughs>